have your Bibles, don't you? Ephesians chapter 4. Go ahead and find that portion in your Bible, would you? Recall with me a few weeks ago as we began Ephesians 4, we were exhorted to walk worthily. That's in verse 1. And that took us all the way to verse 16 as we saw various ways to walk worthy, primarily through the Spirit's gifts that he gives to his church. And as we enter verse 17 now, we're going to see that we will be exhorted to walk holily. A little hard to say. We could say walk in holiness. I'm drawing this really from the concept in verse 17. You'll notice it says we're not to walk uh, as the Gentiles walk. So there's a, a difference in play now. In verse 1, it was more of a positive way to express it, walk worthily. Now he's saying don't walk this way. Don't walk like the former, your former way of life. And I'm drawing this also from the words in verse 24 where it says that this new way of walking is actually created after God in righteousness and holiness. And so when you think about this concept of, of walking uh, differently, not like you used to walk in righteousness and holiness, the real concept is really just the word holiness. It means to be set apart otherly. So I'm, I'm content saying, I think the real gist here is to walk holily or in holiness. And you're actually going to see that this runs from verse 17 all the way through to verse 32. That entire section really is, a, is an appeal for a holy type of lifestyle. Now, I see it in two types of, I should say, two sections. I think verses 17 through 24 really lay out for us the general call to holiness. 25 to 32 would lay out for us the particular conduct of holiness. So as you look at your journals, as you look at your Bibles, just kind of make a, an overarching view of this. This is kind of how the structure of the text is. One's a general call, one's a particular uh, mention of the, the conduct. And I want this week to look mainly at the general call to holiness, to walking with Christ in holiness. Next week, we'll take a little more time and we'll look at the particular conduct. To do that, I'll be using our lab this morning, but let's first read the text, verses 17 through 24, and then we'll go to our lab and we'll use our journals and we'll just kind of maybe uh, hopefully explore this text more and let the Spirit of God just... In, uh, um, sink within us deeply the word of God. Here's Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. What I see is Paul's general call to walking in holiness. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What a beautiful set of verses. And I want you to note, as we go to our lab now, I want you to notice the 
four main aspects of this general call. Make the note of this. I think this will help us a lot. There are really what I would say are four imperatives. Now, for those who are grammar nerds, you'll probably notice that they're actually infinitives in the original language, but often because of structure, infinitives can serve as functional imperatives. And so without any doubt, we can say Paul is really using four imperatives in this section to express his general call to holiness. Notice, first of all, he says, no longer, no longer walk as the Gentiles. He then says to put off your old self, to be renewed, and to put on the new self. Those are the four main, we'll use the word verbs, or action points or calls in Paul's section here about holiness. In fact, I see the first one as kind of a summary of his general call, and the, and the last three is more of the steps in this general call. Now, I don't think those are the only important phrases. Those are just the important uh, verbs, uh, imperatives. I think there's another phrase that's very important. It's more of an indicative. It's more of a statement of reality, and it's this one that kind of serves as the transition between the old and the new. It's this emphatic statement where Paul says, this is not the way you learned Christ. And here's really a statement of their reality that their formal way described in 17 through 19, that's not what they are because they now are in Christ. They've learned Christ. They've been brought to Christ. And so verses 21 all the way through 24 really describe this general new way of living for them, this different way. Now, let me just, and I help you here as you learn to study your Bible more and more, often in texts like this, when there is a lot of information, sometimes it helps us if we can visually minimize all the descriptive phrases or modifying clauses. Because if you're like me, you're probably reading and then you just, you kind of maybe are failing to see the main point because there's so much extra stuff around it. Not that it's not important, it's just not the main intention of the author. We call that authorial intent. Like, what's Paul really driving at here? And so I've taken the liberty to kind of show you how this would look if you were to visually minimize all the descriptive phrases and clauses that are modifying these four, what I would call are imperatives. Here's what that would look like. And we'll, again, we'll circle, we'll just note what are the four imperatives. They are no longer walk as the Gentiles, put off your old self, be renewed and put on the new self. But you see now how they, really these four main aspects of this call just kind of jump out at us. And of course you have in the middle this other important phrase, that is not the way you learned Christ. I didn't mean to cross it out. It's supposed to be circled, forgive me there. Well, let's just redo that. We can do that, right? There we go. Love the technology there. So we're gonna take a minute and just kind of walk through these four main imperatives, how they connect to this indicative statement. And I think God's really gonna teach us and show us more about this general call to holiness, how to walk with Christ in holiness, all right? He says, first of all, in the negative, don't walk as the Gentiles. That's the word used to describe non-people of God, those who are not in God's family. Many translations will use the word pagans. It's a good translation, this means those who are not in Christ. And notice what he says about their, their former way, which I think he's saying this was your former way before you came to Christ. So let's not have an arrogant, proud posture pointing fingers at you, you, you. This was us before Christ, right, church? And look what he says here. He says uh, it was the, it's this mind of futility, 
Notice all the times he uses the word in. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God, the ignorance uh, that's in them, their hardness of heart. That's something that's in you. And what you'll find is there's a progression here. And I might even say a digression. There's a digression here. It moves from depravity in nature to depravity in action. Look at the description. Look at this with me. It starts in their minds. Notice what it says here. They become callous and now they go from greed uh, to sensual, greedy practices of every kind. You see that? This is how sin uh, works. This is how we are. We are born in sin. We are depraved by nature first. And so we then show that we are depraved in action. See, some folks would say, well, you're a sinner because you sin. That's actually not true. You sin because you're a sinner. We are sinners by nature and choice or action. Paul here just really lays this out well, doesn't he? It starts in here. We have a depraved mind, a depraved heart, and then that's callous to God and it's hard to God and it ends up being showcased and expressed in greedy, sensual, impure actions. That's our life before God. And he says, we're not to walk in that fashion. This is not your way of living anymore. So the question then is, what is our way of living? How do we conduct ourselves? How are we to walk? Well, the simple answer is you walk like Jesus. You don't walk like the world. You walk like Christ. And I think this is the point of verse 20, this interrupting indicative statement where he says, hey, that's not how you learned Christ. All the things that I've described in 17 through 19, that's not the way you've been brought to Christ. The word learned here is actually the word disciple. He's saying this is not the way you've been discipled to Christ. And then notice what he does here. He uses some words to, to kind of modify, to further explain this idea of learning Christ. He says, you heard about him. We're taught in him. It's very similar to language in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says, you heard the gospel. You took your stand on it. Now you're saved. He's saying when you came to Christ, when you were discipled into Christ, and I would even say that the, some of the implicit meaning here is that Christ is not just the content. He, he seems to be the, the instructor. This is all about him. He's brought us to himself. He's taught us the truth that's in him. We've received him. This is a completely new way of living. Watch this. We're no longer living depravedly. We're living differently. And as you look at verse 20 and 21, I love the way it, it, it forms a natural runway for 22 to 24. And let me, let me kind of read it to you as you could literally render this. Because sometimes as we get to the end of 21, we see this idea of the truth is in Jesus. Then we go right to put off the old self. But the, the truth is, 22 and 24 is the truth that we learn in Jesus. This is how you could render it. Watch this. This is not how you learned Christ. You've heard and taught the truth in Jesus that you put off the old self. You're renewed. You put on the new self. This is what we learn in Christ. This is the general call to holiness. That in Christ, we put off the old, we're renewed by Jesus, and we put on the new. This is the truth that you learn when you come to Christ. And so you can see Paul's general call to holiness. We leave behind the old. We receive the gift of the new from God. Now let's talk a little bit about these last three imperatives. 
He says, this is not how you learned Christ, just mentioning the, the former ways. Instead, Christ has taught us to put off the old self. Just means to remove it, to be done with it. And notice something about this description here in 22. I'll continue to use the green to kind of highlight this. He calls it corrupt. So you look at the description in 22, and, and you can see that Paul is describing our old man as internally flawed. Like there's, there's nothing good inherently valuable about it. He just says it comes, uh, it's flawed, it's, it's corrupt through deceitful desires. Again, all of this is inside internal language. It sounds very similar to 17, 18, and 19, doesn't it? Something's wrong in here, guys. We've got an internal issue. It's called depravity. And so there's, there's no value in holding on to any part of the old life as a means or a way to try to find worth to God or traction in this life, that, that, that holds no value at all. And so that's why he calls us here to, to take this off, to be done with it, to remove it. Instead, we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. So we put off the old and then we uh, experience renewal in our minds, the spirit of our minds. It's an interesting phrase here. This is, let me just kind of get grammatical with you for a moment. I think it'll help you a ton. This idea of being renewed is in the passive voice. It's what happens to us. But watch this, very intriguing. Putting off the old self and putting on the new self, they're in the middle voice. So in the mystery of sanctification, and we'll cover this more in a minute, but in this whole mysterious walking in holiness, there is the participation with God in putting off and putting on. And yet there's this place also where, where even without our help, Jesus is renewing us. So I'll explain more in a few minutes. Just know that this is an interesting use of voice by the apostle Paul. And the word renew here comes from the word neos. It means new in time. And this to occur in the spirit of our minds. Notice the word spirit of our minds here. I think that's referring really to this internal, I'll call it an OS. It's just the framework, the underlying reason that you think the way you do. You could call it your worldview. You could call it the why behind all of your what's. But that's what needs renewed. You see, we often just want to renew the outer shell, don't we? We just want to turn over a new leaf. And there is a sense in which we put off the old, but that only occurs effectively and correctly when we have the right kind of framework about what we're putting off and what we should put on. And so sandwiched between these two middle voice type of actions we take in participation with God is this middle voice where, where he's saying, hey, Jesus will consistently and constantly give you the right way of thinking. He'll give you the correct OS. It's a present tense, so this is always ongoing. I mean, Jesus is always downloading God's updates into our life. That's what's happening. So the idea of something new in time means there's this consistent, ongoing, constant uh, refreshing of how we should think. And man, isn't this just ultra important in this culture? Are you not like me, bombarded with worldly messages 24-7? By our own choice, we choose our entertainment. We decide what's on the radio and what podcasts and the TV. So you're not like a victim here, okay? 
But can you just admit with me that even in our choices, it's just a constant bombardment of, of the world's, of the culture's messages, regardless of where you lean politically. It's embedded in every bit of it. And it takes the power of God to be able to, to um, filter through that and allow Jesus to renew our minds according to God's OS. Right, church? This is what Jesus does consistently, constantly through his word and by his spirit. Hallelujah. And so we are to remove the old self. It holds no value. We're to allow our minds to be renewed by Jesus, consistent refreshing, and then we're to put on the new self. Here again is a middle voice verb. We're to actually uh, take on this brand new type of lifestyle, this new conduct. The word new here is different than the word new in verse 23. Notice this word new. It is actually the word new in kind. It's the word kainos. So as you think about a new type of living or conduct, because really he's contrasting in verse 23 and 24, um, he's contrasting the thought there with verse 17. Don't walk like the Gentiles. Instead, walk in this new way. Notice what it says here. It's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, so when you begin to look at this, we're not walking in uh, depravity. We have a new ruler. It's Christ. We walk differently. We're not under the old master of sin. We're under a new ruler, Christ. As I think about this new self, this, this whole new way of, of living, I'm reminded it's, it's not just a rearranging of the chairs in your you know, house, so to speak. He's not just changing the decor. He's not just giving the old wall a new color of paint. He's actually giving you a new home. He's throwing out the old. He's bringing in a new nature. Church, process this. Ask God's spirit now to give you insight into this. It reminds me of really what Nicodemus heard when he went to Jesus that evening. And for the life of Nicodemus, he could not figure out how in the world Jesus was doing these things and what he was all about and how he could be part of it. Remember his question? Like, hey, no one does these unless they're from God. Like, what's going on, Jesus? And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, to get this, you need to be born from above. He didn't give Nicodemus like another list of things to do. He didn't say, oh, you missed it. I actually need you to kind of take my checklist and, and just add it to yours. None of that. He said, Nicodemus, you need a whole new birth. You need a new nature. You need something different in kind. You need regenerated from heaven because right now all you've got is degeneration from earth. You've got depravity. I'll give you a completely different nature. Amen, church. This is what it means to walk in holiness or to walk holily, to walk differently. It's to walk in true righteousness and holiness. Can I give you a little more insight about these two words, righteousness and holiness, before we kind of back out and see the text as a whole? I tend to think the word righteous here probably refers to how we are conducting ourselves in front of others. It's the word for righteous acts. 
And so he probably here has a horizontal view in mind. Like our conduct should be the kind that, that is right before others. And then the word holiness would be that is which is vertical, the right standing before God. Both of these only come from Christ. They're in the likeness of God. But Christ does change us vertically. We have a right standing before God and he changes us horizontally. We have right actions towards others. This is the way we're to walk. And it's not like the Gentiles who, according to verse 17, were only concerned about what was in them, their hardness, their callousness, getting their way. It turned into greedy, sensual uh, actions. I mean, it's totally different. It's now a life that's created after God in true righteousness and true holiness. What a beautiful change God makes in his people. Amen. Now, now, before we move on any further, I just want to kind of take a moment to show you something from the text at large. I'll just go ahead and mess up our lab a little more. Hope you can continue to mess, mess up your journal. Make it good and let's mark it up well so you can take some good notes here. I think there is a definitive flow in this text, in this section. I could prove it to you grammatically through voices and tenses. I, would, I think it's rather self-evident though. I think it begins in verse 20 and 21, where at 20 and 21, we'll put a star here. I think he's speaking of their point of conversion. Maybe in your journal, just write point of conversion. You can write the word salvation if you'd like. I think he's speaking of when they came to Christ, they were learning Christ. They heard of him. They received him. They were taught in him. In other words, here's the moment of change. They were walking like 17, 18, and 19, but hey, you came to Christ. You learned him. He brought you to himself. Now you're not walking like that. There seems to be a marked uh, point of difference here, doesn't there? I think he's speaking of their point of conversion. And I believe beginning in 22, when he talks about putting off the old self being renewed and putting on the new self, I think he's speaking of their process of change. What I would call, what you can call sanctification. It's that process, that continuing progressive act of God in which we participate, yes, and whereby he changes us, often very slowly, but no doubt surely, to be more like his son. You see, here's a realization that I need you to grasp theologically and practically. God is changing you. If you belong to his son, if you belong to God, if you've been saved by God's grace, he is changing you. But some of you are changing faster than others. Do you know that? Why? Because you're participating with God in his sanctification of you. But make no doubt, church, if you belong to God, he is and he will change you. You will, according to Romans 8, 29, one day be conformed to the image of his son. Some of you are just making quicker progress than others. <laughs> so that's why I tend to see these middle voices being important here. There isn't a responsive action we take in the work of God to change us. Peter would describe it like this, that, that all of us should pursue holiness. Interesting, isn't it? He kind of puts that on us to chase after right living in, in his epistles. So I just want to just make sure you understand something here. God is changing you and he's calling on you to work with him so as to make that process maybe not quite as difficult. Can we use those human terms? There, there is a clear indication here. 
of this flow from salvation to sanctification. Now you add to that a couple of metaphors in the text. Hang with me. There's a clothing metaphor, isn't there? We're putting something off. We're putting something on, right? The idea of wardrobe and clothes. We're putting off the new. We're, I mean, we're putting off the old. We're putting on the new. There's also a character metaphor here because what are we putting off the old self? He's not just talking about like external things only. He's talking about a whole way of thinking, a lifestyle, a whole manner of conduct. We're putting that off. And we're, we're, we're putting on this new character, this new conduct. So when you take the flow of the text, these metaphors, here's what you arrive at. That there is a new internal and external wardrobe that God is dressing you in. God is adorning you with the garments of Jesus, both inwardly and outwardly. He's changing your vertical posture. He's given you his son's holiness. And he's now enabling you to walk in that holiness in front of others. Wow, this is amazing. It's so comforting. It's so um, convicting at the same time to realize that God's people are becoming wholly different on the outside because of a holy change on the inside. So let's just take that sentence. Let's kind of make this our take-home truth. Let's use it to summarize these eight verses. And let's personalize them. And will you say this with me? What every Christian should be able to say together. Will you read it with me? I am becoming wholly different on the outside because of a holy change on the inside. This is the description of Paul's general call to holiness. That we're, we're done with the old way. And Jesus is renewing our mind. It's no longer futile and depraved. It's different. It's faithful. And we're putting on a new way of living, a new way of walking. And so, yes, we're holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, different on the outside, but not because we've turned over a new leaf, because we've put you know, the more energy from our own flesh, but no, because of a holy, H-O-L-Y, change on the inside. This is what we are called to. This is the essential call to walk in holiness. And this is the call upon every believer in Christ this morning. So I am really left with two questions we should ask ourselves this morning. As this text just blankets us and weighs on us, as this clarity just rings, I'm left with two things I want you to ask yourself. First of all, have you experienced, and we can just make it, we just personalize these questions. Have I experienced God's saving work? Ask yourself that question. What I'm asking is this, has there been a moment, a time, an intersection when you've experienced internal conversion? I'll use a biblical word with you. Have you been saved? I'll use another biblical word with you. Have you been born again? Which means born from above. I'm not asking if you turned over a new leaf, if you felt humanly guilty for something that you did. I'm asking, if, I'm asking this. Has there been a point in time, like a verse 20 and 21, when in the middle of all of your depravity and futility, 
God met you face to face, showed you your sinfulness, and yet showed you his righteousness in Christ. And you look to the cross of Christ and his death and resurrection, and you threw yourself on the mercy of God as seen in Christ. And you said, God, through Jesus, will you save me and change me? I want to learn Christ. Has that ever occurred? Because that's the first understanding you've got to come to to answer the second question, which is this. Am I experiencing God's sanctifying work? Which is really, is there external change in my life? See, we love to talk about external change, but often we don't want to talk about internal conversion. And I just want to share with you, true external change will never occur without genuine internal conversion. And this is the root problem in most churches and with most church members. With just all transparency, there's just timid light preaching about salvation. There's um, non-courageous calls to live differently and distinctly. There's too much wanting to be like the culture. And the root problem of that is probably that there's just too many non-Christians who think they're saved in church. And so we just never really see any true external change. And we keep thinking, what's the problem? The problem is not an external one. The problem is an internal one. There's a lack of genuine, true, internal conversion. And so it's just a continuing treadmill, trying harder, give it more gas, wear yourself out, pedal faster. And then, you know, you get tired of that. So you try the next trick. I want to appeal to you today that Paul here roots every bit of his call to holiness, this general call, before he gets to particulars, he roots every bit of it in Christ. Saying, you didn't learn Christ this way. You weren't taught this about him. This is not how we live. Instead, we, we learn the truth that says, man, we put off the old, Jesus renews us and we put on the new. All of this is because of Christ. And so the key to holy changing is the holy Christ. That's why you should ask yourself this morning, am I in Christ? And if the answer is yes, I can assure you, slowly but surely, God will change you. Hallelujah. I'm living testimony of that. Every one of my kids are, my wife is, our family is, many of you are. This is one of the joys of pastoring. To watch the Spirit of God take those who are truly the children of God and slowly over time just adjust their life to where it matches and fits within His OS. You don't get that if you're somewhere maybe a year or two or four or five, but over 10, 15, almost 20 years now, just watching many of you come to faith in Christ, shed your old habits, embrace God's values. Oh, that brings great joy to my life. I feel what, much what John felt when he said, I love to hear that my children are walking in truth. You guys in many ways are a visible picture of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passing and the new is coming. Could the church say glory to God? Glory to God, hallelujah. 
This is what this text is describing. This whole change that occurs over time because of a holy Christ. If you've been resisting the Father, you've been making it hard for you to work with God, so to speak, would you just instead adopt a posture of humility and submission and say, Lord, whatever changes you need to make, just download the latest updates, change my OS internally, and I'm gonna shed the old and embrace the new. And if you've never come to Christ, you're realizing as you look back your life, there's just really never been any change whatsoever, internally or externally. It's just a game for you of trying to protect your image. I would plead with you, believe in the gospel that God, because of Jesus, will grant you holiness from him so that you are walking in holiness for him. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages, visit firstfamily.church forward slash sermons or subscribe to our podcast feed. Thanks for listening.